this is Alicia with Call for Convert Reform. Uh, I'm just kind of going to pump out these these podcasts today because I'm off of school. And uh, I I just listened to parts on my last podcast. Um, God bless you for those who listen because I'm definitely not a trained speaker or a very elegant in my speech and a lot of times what I put on here is just kind of a, a just a steady stream of thoughts I guess it's not it's definitely not scripted uh, for the most part so um, thank you for putting up with me for sure <laughs> so <clears throat> what I wanted to talk about today was my experience working in a church, um, uh, a, a parish school while I was in the convent. And I think it's important to talk about because this this particular event in my life had lasting consequences for a while with my own career. And also it's important to note that not everything that can happen to you and religious life regarding abuse is uh, by the sisters. Um, there can also be exterior circumstances. So I just want to put you, you know, in the mood, um, the mode for properly understanding <laughs> where um, <clears throat> I'm coming from in regards to talking to this about this school. <laughs> um that I worked at and, <clears throat> and um we were just talking in my last podcast about terrible music if you think this is the best music ever then you know god bless you but um this is the stuff I had to handle it, it sounds like something for a child I don't know I'm pretty sure I can play this song if I can't play it right now. Wow. I'm so glad I don't have to deal with that anymore. Yeah, so um here here's the story. So when I first got to Canton um, and was working, living with the Sisters of the Divine Spirit, um, they really didn't do much teaching. That had always been one of their main apostolates, but it was pretty much dying out. They still had a mission in Pennsylvania, where Erie, Pennsylvania, which is where they were founded. Um, and it was their first and last, one of their last missions. Um, and while I was there, um, they ended up pulling out of that school and they had been there for like 30 years or something. It was a very long period of time. But there was a Monsignor um, who was, you know, when I think of a Monsignor and just being self-absorbed and all about himself, <laughs> And just, you know, 
really leaning into the title of Monsignor, and he's just special, and he does so much stuff at the church. Um, I think of this particular priest, and he had been, you know, there. He'd been pretty unkind in the past with these sisters. Um, there was a history between him and the the uh, CDS. And he would bother them like every year. I would see him every year was there. Um, and he would be there asking for the sisters to come and work at his school. <clears throat> and at first they said, you know, no, they didn't want to. Um, I, I heard all kinds of stories that, you know, back in like the 80s, his mom was sick and she was in the nursing home that the sisters ran. And he was just really nasty. He would scream at the sisters. And um, I I ended up learning firsthand that, you know, he was not a nice guy. And so anyway, eventually um, his persistence um, moved them. And they agreed to have sisters teach at his school. So the school that he was running is originally... A very fluent school um at one time it was kind of like the Ritchie catholic school a lot of lawyers a lot of doctors sent their their kids to that school but um you know following the last few decades or whatever <clears throat> it really started to decline so they started taking vouchers in ohio we have a vouchers program um so it's called at choice so so students can get scholarships and basically the money that would go with them or most of the money that would go with them to the public school can go to a private school and so this school ran on at choice scholarships um especially the, the longer i was there so i was there for two and a half years and <clears throat> so I was, um, I was assigned to teach there first grade, which I thought was going to be great. You know, <clears throat> um, the demographics were predominantly, uh, African American. Um, and then after that was Hispanic, but there was a pretty small Hispanic community. And then there was a small white community, but by the time I, I love there was like no white kids. Um, and so they considered this a mission school. And, you know, Monsignor's idea of a mission school was that they would go out to the communities. Um, Canton's a really rough town. Let me just say that. Canton, Ohio is uh, per capita. It has some of the worst crime. Um, and so they were going out to some really rough areas and recruiting during the summer to have kids go to this school. And so they considered it a mission school where you were having these kids who, <clears throat> uh, like 95% of the kids weren't Catholic. They were coming to the school to, you know, basically be evangelized, I guess. At least that's what it originally started out as. And um, so we were getting kids that were pretty, really rough. 
And on top of that, they did not really encourage parent involvement. Um, they always played the victim card <laughs> with the kids and their families. Um, I mean, I work with a, at a school now, um, kind of a similar uh, demographic, but one of the things the parents have to sign is that they have to be involved and their kids' education, and, you know, and, the, and these parents are busy. They, they work, sometimes they work two, three jobs to keep afloat, but they are still expected, which is, you know, it's your child. Like, you should be involved somehow, and, um, but according to the, the contract they signed with the school, they are, they are required to have so many service hours, and, they, you know, there's different ways they can, you know, um, get around that, you know, the school is very flexible, but nonetheless, the parents have to be involved. And so <clears throat> I, it, it was by far, it was the worst school I've ever worked for. It was just, there were so many factors that were so terrible. <laughs> and, um, the first year I was there, so I taught before, um, I actually taught um, at a very little Catholic school, but um, with a very small class, it was a split first and second um, grade. And the year before that, I taught kindergarten at the same school. Um, mostly Catholic, I mean, all Catholic kids. I think I had a, one non-Catholic in my class. It wasn't even a diocesan school. It's um, It was a... a private Catholic school that was associated with the diocese. Um, so very different dynamic, right? And so I go into this, this school. I have um, pretty large class. At first, I did not have an aide. Um, I'm teaching first grade. And I kid you not, I had some children that were sociopaths. I have never seen it since. I had two children in particular that were absolute sociopaths. They did not care about anyone's feelings. They showed no emotion. You go to talk to them, they have this blank stare on their face. They got enjoyment out of hurting others. And when I said this to people, they thought I was absolutely nuts, you know. Um, they're like, no, that can't happen. I'm like, yeah, I can. I mean, I the the one little boy that I had a lot of trouble with. Um, he was just so disrespectful. And a lot of it came from his his mother in particular, um, who, you know, just, you know, she was a big part of the problem. And he was just, you know, he would call me the B word um, and then try to lie about it and say I was saying another word. Um, he just do really mean things to people just to get a rise out of them. Um, he eventually got suspended. Um, and the last field trip of the year, he was um, not allowed to go with the school. And so his mother actually brought him <laughs> uh, on the same day, same time to the zoo that we were visiting um, while our class was there. And then while I was, you know, taking the class around, she would, um, like, stop and, like, wave and have him wave. I mean, it, it just, I, I have never seen anything like it before. And 
I can only imagine what that what that kid is growing up to be like um, because that's not sustainable and it's not healthy and it's not healthy for society. So, <clears throat> um, and then I had another little boy. He could do no wrong, um, according to his adopted mother, who was his aunt. And, um, you know, we had parent-teacher conferences, which were pretty tense because of his behavior. She would bring him along um, and actually ask for his, you know, opinion on things while we were talking like he was an adult. Unbelievable stuff. (laughs) I've never dealt with stuff like that before or since. Um, And I never want to again because it was just absolutely bizarre and there was like no hope no help excuse me from administration um the administrator um that was in the office she was just not friendly i don't think she was um she was black um and she tended to have more and what i experienced she seemed to have more compassion and patience with people of her skin color, um, including teachers. Um, I even reported abuse to her once and she just was like, you know, there's nothing about that. Just go back to your classroom. Um, so it was absolutely insane. And, um, the teacher, the other first grade teacher that I taught with, um, she had been teaching for 30 some 30 plus years. And she told me that at the end of that year, the first year I was there, she said, this has been the hardest class I've ever dealt with. And she's like, sister, your your class was even worse. So just to give you an idea of the kind of stuff that was going on there. I mean, it, it, it was insane. So the next year, um, a tad better. But I had this child that was very disruptive, um, had a lot of a lot of issues, would bang the lockers in the back of the room during class, um, just you know, for attention. I'd send him to the office and um the the secretary that I previously mentioned was just like, Well, he he's you know, he obeys me why doesn't why can't you get him under control that was one of the few times that I actually kind of lost it because I'm like excuse me like (laughs) I have tried everything to get this child you know to to behave and nothing is working um yeah I also had a child that was just I don't know what was wrong with him I've never seen a child it was just like he was on drugs and maybe he was I don't know because there was a lot of that but um or maybe he needed to be on drugs I mean he tried to look under my skirt um it was it was bizarre um he was very obsessed about sexuality but of course there's nothing I could like I never saw any signs of abuse that I could report but I always kept an eye on him um so it just a really, you know, rough year. And of course I would tell them, you know, I can't teach because this child is just, you know, the one child in particular was banging and, 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 you know, making sounds and just doing everything to disrupt my class and no one cared. No one absolutely cared. 
the last year I was there was where stuff really hit the fan. Um, so the year before, I actually did get a re- good report from my principal. I wish I had, I had a copy of that report. I don't believe I do. Um, but um, the third year I was there, I wasn't aware of it, but I knew he was sick. But um, I didn't realize he had, he was like, no one had told us he was in like a, a, a very advanced form of cancer. Had some like really rare cancer. Um, and we knew at the end of the, for the second year he was pretty sick, but we didn't know all the details. And I had a child that was, um, from all accounts, everyone who worked with him said he was on the spectrum. Something really was wrong with him. And he would just have very severe anger swings. And he would throw, like, just out out of the blue, he just started throwing chairs and desks. And um, I I had to put him in the back of the room because he was so violent. And the one thing that really, uh, you know, I really had to speak up about because I couldn't get anything done. I mean, it's, it's bad enough to have children that are just because of administration not wanting to do anything or take any control that they're, you know, allowed to just, you know, bang on lockers all day or, um, you know, make comments to you um, that are completely inappropriate, you know, but this child was screaming. He was just screaming in the back of the room for like hours. And I couldn't get him to participate. He didn't want to do anything. He would just scream. And, um, you know, I, I try to do a lesson. I bring all the kids up to the front of the class so they're away from him and he'd just be screaming. It got to the point that the kids were covering their ears and saying, you know, I can't take it anymore. I can't, I don't, you know, none of the other kids were like, you know, most of them also had behavioral issues, but, you know, at least they were willing to participate and they couldn't even participate. So I wrote an email, this is probably like two months into school, very early on into the school year. I wrote an email to the principal and I said, hey, we have this child. Um, this is what's going on. I don't think, you know, I, I, I think he has some issues. And I think that, um, you know, he probably would be, be better served in another school um, that could accommodate for his needs because we, we can't hear so the principal sent this off, this email off to Monsignor because he was so sick, he couldn't handle it. Um, he couldn't deal with it at the time. And I learned about this because I was called into Monsignor, um, into the principal's old office. Um, and Monsignor was there one day. And I was told that I always had problems with at least one child in my classroom. And, um, you know, we couldn't let this child go from the school because if we let him go from the school, he would be lost in the system. Um, I was given no help whatsoever. Um, I even said, hey, you know, the even the special needs teacher saying there's something wrong here. Um, this one senior didn't care. He didn't care with what, what I had to say. He didn't care about, you know, my explanation of the things that were going on in the room. He never even um, had, you know, 
the balls to come into my room and to observe what was going on. <laughs> um, he was just a complete jerk. Um, I, 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 I don't know of any other priest that I know personally that I dislike more than this man. Um, he was just a complete arrogant asshole. Um, excuse my, my French, but he was, um, he was, everything was about him. Everything was about him looking good. He ended up creating this program. Um, it was supposed to be based off the program that Notre Dame has, um, with the surrounding community, um, where they have their teachers, their student teachers, um, pair up with schools and go in and like help teach. Um, and be aides in schools. Notre Dame has had that program forever, and he was trying to do that um, as well with the local Catholic uh, college that was there in Canton. And um, I don't even know if they still have it or not, but um, that was implemented. Um, it was kind of in its pilot the second year I was there, and then the third year I was there, um, it really you know, they, they took off with it and all of the aides were, were these, you know, these, uh, college kids. Um, so, but everything was about, you know, he was in the, the local paper, um, about this program and he was, you know, obviously honored at the college because of this program and, you know, you know, all the stuff he was trying to do for the community and everything he did because he cared so much, you know. And but he didn't care about his teachers, obviously, especially the ones that were nuns. He couldn't care less. If you were, you know, even one of the sisters said that that, you know, um at at one time the, the sisters were really careful not to let their hair down too much. But one sister eventually told me, she's like, to Monsignor, we're just an accessory. <laughs> you know, he did not care about the sisters. He did not care about, you know, he, 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 would, he was just such a jackass. He knew we couldn't drink wine. And he would actually, we were invited to the fish fries. And we did have, the, they had a really just exuberant fish fries at this particular parish they were known all over the community for their fish fries and the fish fries were great they're a little much for you know lent which was supposed to be a time of penance but nonetheless um but the food was amazing and he would come it didn't it didn't matter if it was the fish fry it didn't matter if it was a staff meeting he would always come up to us and offer us wine and he knew that our rule forbid us from drinking wine um, or alcohol without a superior's permission. <laughs> and so he'd be like, oh, you can drink as much wine as you want. Like the, the bar is open for you because he loved wine. Um, but, you know, I. Yeah, um, he's one of those people I, I, I'm sad to say if anything Nothing, I haven't heard of anything come out about him, but I would not be shocked if someone ever came out and said something funny was happening because just really weird, really weird man, really. 
Um, but yeah, he'd just rub it in our faces that we couldn't drink alcohol and he'd always have a glass of wine in his hand and be like, well, if you want wine, you can go get wine. I'll, be, I'll get you one or a beer or whatever you want. Um, so that's the kind of person he was. He wasn't a nice man at all. And, um, yeah, so I told him about this kid and he didn't care. He absolutely didn't care. And he, uh, put all of the blame on me for not, for not caring enough about this kid. And, um, I'll tell you more, um, in the second part of this, uh, of this episode regarding what happened next and how this affected my educational career for a while because of, you know, these idiots up in uh, Canton, Ohio. So um, I'll see you on the other side of the break. So welcome back. Um, So yeah, um, let's continue on with this story of um, the trail and woe. And, uh, you know, I I now feel comfortable talking about it, which is good. Um, So, you know, the one thing that kept me there for so long is I, I love teaching and I knew that if I didn't teach I would be assigned to work at the nursing home that the sisters ran which I never felt particularly you know uh excited to do um I I, I mentioned before that my last job there was was being a nurse aide and that will probably come up a little later on so what happened was is um the school year goes on pretty normally this is my you know the the third year i've been there and the only time i ever talked to monsignor was at the beginning of the year when he told me that we weren't going to get rid of this kid, we weren't going to do anything, we weren't going to take any kind of initiatives to help him because, you know, this wasn't a good fit for him whatsoever. And I still stand by that. And other people that worked with this particular child knew that, you know, this was not a good fit for him. There were no uh, services for his particular needs. And so it's the last day of school before Christmas break. And, you know, we're having fun. We're doing all kinds of party stuff. They, uh, the administration, including this Monsignor, comes into my room and, and, and gives gifts or whatever. Um, and I've noticed, I noticed Monsignor doesn't, you know, kind of doesn't really say much to me. Um, he kind of stays in the doorway, which I didn't think about much until later. And, uh, I, I, I find out that this little girl in my class doesn't have a Christmas tree. Um, the only white, like the only white girl in my class, she doesn't have a Christmas tree. They're extremely poor. And so I'm like, Hey, we'll, we'll go into the art room and we'll make a Christmas tree. And so we cut some green paper, we cut it out. Um, I have someone else, um, the aide is looking at my, after my class, they're doing all kinds of games and whatnot. And we're coloring this Christmas tree. Um, we made it like eight feet long um, so she could just tape it to the wall. Um, so at least they had, you know, something, right? And 
So, you know, this is what's going on. And uh, I have the reading, uh, she's like the reading professional. She has a doctorate in education. She's not really administration, but she kind of plays that role. She was really good friends with the former principal. She comes into the room and she says, oh, Monsignor wants to talk to you. I don't know what it's about. And I tell her what's going on, you know, what we're doing. And she's like, oh, okay, well, well, we'll finish this up here. You go over to the building next door and talk to Monsignor. So I get to the building next door. I've never been in it before. I've never been to Monsignor's office. And in his in his office, very, very swank office, by the way, um, is him and the new, very new principal of the school. And so they have me sit down and very short conversation. This is 30 minutes before school lets out for Christmas break. He says, we're going to let you go for the rest of the year. And I'm like, you know, I'm, 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 I'm trying to process what he just said, right? It's like, we're going to let you go for the rest of the year and let you decide if you really want to be here. (laughs) And, you know, being a sister, you always have to be pleasant and virtuous. And so I'm just in shock, right? That this guy's just out of the blue, um, very uncharitable moment right before Christmas. Um, he's just like, yep, we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, do something else. Um, and, uh, you know, so you won't be coming back. I'm like, I'm literally asking, I'm like, so you don't want me to come back after Christmas break? He's like, nope. It's like, well, and your superiors now, we just told him. And so I gave the usual, uh, you know, well, if it's God's will, blah, 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 you know, and inside of me, I just feel this anger. It's just like rage. Just, I I know my face is red. I know I'm upset. And so I've told you before with the sisters was all about saving face, right? That's all they cared about. It was all about saving face. So I get home. I'm extremely upset. And they call a meeting with all my superiors, which, you know, they, they didn't give a crap about me or about my feelings. So we're all there together in this, in this room. And, you know, they're asking about what happened. So I tell them what happened and, um, you know, they just, they're like, okay, okay, you know, they, they, they weren't consoling whatsoever. You know, I, I was just absolutely heartbroken. I didn't even get to say goodbye to my kids. Um, I've, I had another situation happen to me where, you know, you hear horror stories from teachers all the time. Teachers are treated like crap. And I, I had another situation happen to me where I wasn't able to say goodbye to my kids. And it, it it's, one of the most horrible feelings. It's just, it's terrible that you don't even get to say goodbye. And so I was an absolute wreck. 
but I ended up finding out that they were embarrassed that I, uh, you know, according to, according to the school, I was fired, um, because my kids weren't learning. Well, I wonder why they weren't learning because I told you at the beginning of the year that I had a child that was screaming in the back of the room and the kids couldn't concentrate. And this child wasn't learning either because he was in a situation where we weren't able to take care of this child. So I wonder why they weren't learning. I think I tried to tell you about this before, you know, the, you know, before the first quarter was even, was even ended. But, you know, they didn't care. They, and they didn't connect the dots, um, the school nor the sisters. They didn't care. So I fell into a deep depression. Looking back, it was actually um, a, a godsend because this is what started my my whole uh, path into leaving the convent. Um, so I was ordered to, uh, one, I was going to become a, a, a nurse aide. STNA and two I had to help the sister that was taking over my class and I have been looking forward to telling you my friends about this story but it's been hard it's been a hard pill to swallow for a long time but I'm ready so this is one of the, the one one of the few times I actually got into the argument um, I think there were two or three times I actually got into an argument with my novice mistress, but this was definitely one of them. <laughs> so I was told to, um, tell the sister that was taking over for me everything she needed to know. Now, this particular sister, I, I never really got to know her very well because she was in Erie, Pennsylvania. And then she moved to the mother house, um, like two years after I, you know, like a few years after I'd been there. And I, I began to realize that there was something really wrong with her. Like she was just, just really, I don't know. I think a lot of the sisters had some sort of mental issue and they, they didn't know how to pretty much act or, uh, act like adults sometimes they acted like children because of the situations they were put in for so long and this is definitely true of the sister so I I sat with you know time is precious in the convent I sat down with this particular sister for over an hour answered all of her questions gave her all passwords and everything that I could think of I even asked her you know you know is there anything you need else you need me to tell you do you have any questions? And she kept asking about their reading program. Their re reading program was very different. It was guided reading. We had this really flighty, uh, you know, doctor in reading, you know, that worked there. So she had this whole program set up and, you know, it was very different from just a traditional model. So I was trying to explain to the sister how this reading model, you know, the reading program uh, worked. 
So she runs off, you know, after I, I was patient with her, I, I tried to answer questions. I was very kind to her. I even said, hey, if you have any more questions later on, please let me know. I'll try to help you as much as I can. She runs off to my novice mistress. And she tells my novice mistress that I did not help her, that I blew her off, that I didn't answer her questions, that, um, you know, that, that over an hour, I think it was like an hour, hour and a half of time that I spent with her, you know, I, I you know, was just unwilling to help her, which was absolute, excuse my French, bullshit, right? So I don't know what, what was wrong with this sister. I don't know if she did it for attention or she was just angry with her own life. So she had to make everyone else miserable. I don't know. But my novice mistress comes to me. She, um, I remember in particular where we were. We were in, um, so um, the Congregation of the Divine Spirit runs the House of Loretto. And if you ever go there or ever see pictures, there is a big dining hall. And right next to the dining hall is a big meeting room. And there's a wall in between that can be closed, but it's usually open. And then the particular situation was open. And so my novice mistress runs, you know, finds me. I think we're walking past each other in this big meeting space. And she is just livid. And she says, you did not help, sister. You were disobedient. You did not help her. And then she kept, just kept saying this. And I'm like, at first, I'm, I, I, you know, I'm calm. I'm just like, hey, sister, there must be a misunderstanding because I spent well over an hour with her. I answered all the questions to the best of my ability. I gave her everything that I could. I told her where everything was. And sister, I have tried. I know I wrote a letter to my the superior about this situation, and I have tried to find it, and I can't find it. But I'm, I'm trying to tell you to the best of my memory. Um, and the situation, I, I'm trying to be as um, objective as I can about what I remember. But this is pretty much how it went. This is what I can tell you from what I remember. So, you know, I told her this, I told my novice mistress this, and she said, no, you are not listening to me. I said, you were disobedient, and you, and she'd get, like, her, her mouth would get all tight, you didn't listen, and you weren't helpful for her sister. And now I'm getting pissed, right? I'm getting mad. And I said, I don't know what you want me to do. I'm trying to stay calm. I don't know what you want me to do. I sat with sister. I answered her questions. I told her what I could. I tried to explain to her that they have a different program there than, than they, you know, do at the other schools that she's worked at. Um, I told sister I would help her, you know, if she had any questions, follow-up questions. And again, I get the whole you don't understand you were obedient and at this point i i lost it i just went black with rage like i blind with rage like this woman just had this special ability to push my buttons to the point where i just went 
I, I, I like, like my brain shut off and just like anger was my motivation, motivational force. I just start screaming at her. I'm like, you're not listening to me. I told you I helped sister. I tried to explain to her everything that I could. And I, I'm screaming at this point. You know, I don't know what to tell you. I'm I'm trying to tell you as much as I can. And so she's pissed, right? Like, how dare you? How dare you say that you're not being obedient or disobedient when I'm telling you you're disobedient? How dare you defend yourself, right? Um... So she, the, the the conversation ends. She's like, you know, she and she had been yelling at this point. She always yelled. She was just a miserable person, and I mean, she yelled at the mechanical staff. You know, the I don't know. Um, she was the nurses. She was kind of nice too because it's kind of hard to find a nurse, um, especially for a nonprofit. So, <laughs> but anyway, um. So she's, you know, going off at me about yelling because, you know, everyone in the kitchen and in the dining room can hear us. There was like the cleaning lady was in there um, cleaning. There was someone having a meal. And <laughs> uh, so she she ends the conversation by saying, well, I'm going to sister, blah, 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 the superior. I'm going to sister. I'm going to tell on you. <laughs> so like, I remember thinking, like, are we six? Like, so, of course, she goes to the sister and, um, you know, I, I, I hear it from the superior. Of course, it, it, it's just so miserable because, you know, like, all this stuff is going to come down. And it's just so stupid. It's like being in freaking middle school. Um, you know the stuff is coming, right? And you just feel like a child, like waiting for your parents to to you know punish you after you've done something. Um, that's how they make you feel about everything and walking the walking on eggshells feeling, you know, just being angry all the time because you're not being heard. And so yeah, I got I got the call to to the to the superior's office and you know I was told that you know I was lucky I was lucky I was so lucky that she was being merciful to me because if she had ever yelled at one of her superiors she would have been kicked out but she was being merciful and kind of trying to be understanding I mean, she. I just wish she would have kicked me out. It will save me a lot of a lot of headache. Um, so, <laughs> um, I won't. I won't go into the next part because I, I I've explained the situation before. But if you're if you if you've heard my story before, now I should connect the dots. I became a, a a nurse assistant, or I was being trained to become one. I was being overworked. Um, treated like a piece of crap because the nurse assistants sisters um were always treated like pieces of crap and uh I, that's when um so i i was let off uh this would have been like mid mid-december right and by february 9th 
I was out of the convent. But I do think, um, I do want to tell you what happened next when I left the convent. So, um, of course, like finding a job is imperative, right? So, um, and I was trying to find a job in my local area. And so I found it, I, I got a job. Um, I was trying to get a job in the diocesan schools and I got a job in a preschool program, which was another mistake. I was, it's almost like I was treated, the boss I had was from Canton and I, I've learned that I can't trust people from Canton, Ohio. I don't because <laughs> she trained me like crap, man. But um, to make a long story short, um, I you know they they called me because I had been sending my resume to all these schools, like asking for jobs for, you know, for like two years, and they need a preschool teacher. So the assistant principal pulled my resume, and they called me and um, had an interview and everything, and so I was. I pretty much I was hired uh well I was like kind of like semi-hired right and no I was hired I'm sorry I was hired and I had like started my first day and everything and I got I got a call you know called into the principal's office and she's like well you know our policy is to call all of the schools that you were in um and get a recommendation from them and so Lo and behold, they called the school in Canton I worked for. And the school in Canton, because, you know, they're manipulative, um, you know, terrible people, um, they couldn't just, like, let lame dogs lie. They actually had to um, give a terrible recommendation of me. And, um, I, I, I mean, I remember telling my dad about this and you know my dad has been a supervisor and stuff he's like you know usually you you in these situations even if you have nothing nice to say about someone you just say hey um you know I just you know I don't have anything to say about that or you know you know you, you don't actually give like a terrible recommendation like they, they treated me like I abused a child I never have once hurt a child you know I was trying to speak up for the kid that was in my classroom you know I was concerned about him too and I was concerned about the other kids but no one no one no one cared so yeah they these these bastards in Canton at the school which I I now understand um I looked them up not too long ago they're not too much great um yeah they they gave me a bad recommendation and so, and one of the, I, I'm pretty sure one of the people that gave me a bad recommendation is the, uh, the, the, uh, la, 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 the reading, uh, director that I mentioned earlier. Um, so this even, this gets sweeter and sweeter, um, and it's manipulation. <laughs> it's, it's just so good to tell this story because it's really been over my head and um that these people would try to manipulate my <laughs> manipulate my career and try to destroy my career is just unbelievable you know um I, you know it's just i i i i don't i just don't understand it um <sighs> 
So I'm going to stop here um, and then I'll continue on the next part on the other side of the break um, because there's there's more to tell and this is going to be kind of a long episode, but um, I, I think if you've, if you've heard my story, this is going to bring a lot of pieces together. Um, so I'll see you um, on the other side of the break. So welcome back. Um, so uh, now we're going to get into the sad but juicy part. Um, so I, I'm going to read to you the reference letter that I received from this doctor of, uh, education that was the reading specialist at the school I worked for. Um, so again, I, I left, uh, February 9th of 2019. This letter is dated May 1st, 2019. And I'm going to go ahead and read it to you. So this is her recommendation. Um, this is what she sent me to send to, you know, other schools. Um, so keep that in mind. So to whom it may concern, I'm writing this letter of recommendation for Alicia. I am an embedded curriculum and instructional coach, college professor emeritus working for blah, blah, blah school in Canton, Ohio. I met uh, Alicia while working as a classroom coach to support differentiation and classroom instruction focused on reading and math. We work collaboratively to establish routines, differentiate instruction and classroom management. Uh, Miss Alicia is an enthusiastic and responsible teacher. She is knowledgeable, sorry, and informed about current research-based strategies and instructional routines. The classroom is engaging and learning opportunities are aligned with the standards and research. She develops good communication strategies with students and families. An outstanding project was the development of a newspaper that was authored by students to establish communication with parents and encourage parents to be partners in the education of their children. Students enjoy working with Alicia, and she provides ongoing support to encourage all students to achieve. Miss Alicia collaborates with other teachers at her grade level and in the building. She participates in staff development and contributes to our discussions during the staff book studies. She implements strategies that are aligned with the school vision and mission. Feel free to contact me if you have any questions regarding Miss Alicia or my recommendation. Sincerely, and then her name. Okay, so nice, nice recommendation, Linda, right? I mean, she's an educational professional. She's writing a recommendation for me saying that I am a good teacher and that I am, um, you know, good for, you know, it's good for me to go to another school and to be a teacher there. Now, this is what happened. Um, I also have one from the teacher that I worked with. Um, and it's also a positive letter from her as well. Um, the other first grade teacher, she was actually my mentor. Um, the resident educator program here in um, Ohio. Um, 
so I ended up writing a letter to the sisters saying, hey, you know, this has really hurt me. Um, of course, I was out of the convent by then. I sent it. I actually had my uh, my therapist read it. Um, and, you know, she said, yeah, I think it is good to clear, you know, you're, you're not just being accusatory and mean, but you're saying this is how I feel from this situation. And that's when I got the, the lovely letter I've talked about before from July of 2019, um, <laughs> um, from the sisters. and. So it says, I, I have a picture of it here. Let's try and make it a little bigger, but I don't know if it will. Um, Alicia. <laughs> it's and it's on it's on there. I, I love this because I love that I have caps. They they gave me a great gift. They gave me absolute proof that they are just toxic people. Um so this is on their letterhead. <laughs> it says, uh, July 2nd, 2019, your verbal attack, um, which is really funny because it wasn't a verbal attack. It was a letter. It should be written attack. Your verbal attack on me and CDS was totally unwarranted. Um, so this is from the superior um, of, of the convent. After five years of kindness, <laughs> understanding, and taking your part, I'm reading this verbatim. <laughs> I'm adding my own emphasis, but these are their words. <laughs> to accuse me of not defending you shows either a grave misunderstanding or gross denial of the facts. <laughs> I do not owe you any explanation, but for the sake of charity, let me tell you that I did not talk with anyone at OLOP after they fired you. Um, which is really weird because um, I was told early on when I was let go that I was fired, I was let go or whatever, whatever, however you want to word it. Um, I was told by her by my superior that I was let go because my kids weren't uh, reaching their reading level, that the other the other classroom was doing better. <laughs> so interesting that she would say that. Um, and she was told that by Monsignor. And she said she talked to Monsignor about it. So but she she never talked to anyone at OLLP. Uh-uh. Yeah. Don't accuse her of that. It didn't happen. <sighs> going on they told the sisters that your children were not advancing what the freak <laughs> they told the sisters that your children were not advancing and that they were not to return after the first of the year it is your it is their school and we had to accept that you alone talked with monsignor catano you never told me what he said and i never asked which is bull because i had a conversation with her uh, we had a meeting the day I was fired and I told her exactly what happened with other people present. So I don't know what trying crap she's trying to pull. 
So it goes on. And I have this on my blog if you want to see it. Um, since receiving your accusatory email, I called Dr. Blah, blah, blah and met with her. She told me enough to say to you. Be grateful for her recommendation. She wanted to give you a chance to become a good teacher. As did we. Another interesting tidbit, because I said something about how the school was uh, not paying them what they should. She said that the year, that this year, starting salary for this beginning, for a beginning teacher is 23500 whatever. Um, and closes this, and this statement is your college debt, which you are obliged to pay back to the community. <laughs> and then in quotation, she says, you've lost the best friend you have ever had. <laughs> oh, friends like you who needs enemies, right? <laughs> oh, you can't make that stuff up. Um, which is really, which is really rich because it says here it closed as a statement for your college debt, which you are obliged to pay back to the community. And when I contacted the diocese and I talked to their vicar for religious and explained, you know, I said, you know, I sent my report of the abuse that had happened. I sent, you know, gave copies to them of all these letters, and my the response I got back from the community through the vicar general is that they really didn't want me to pay it back they're just letting me know how much money they had spent but they never really wanted me to pay it back but it says right here that's what they did i mean they're just so full of crap so <laughs> the bottom of this itemized receipt it says you should be on your knees thanking god for this community instead of criticizing us on the bottom of this itemized receipt of all the things that they say that i owe them which uh, added up to $41,891. Um, but, you know, they messed up because they never had me sign anything. Most communities have you sign something saying that you won't ask for back pay. Um, and they never had me sign anything about it, um, which was a big oops on their part um, because I could technically sue them for back pay if I guess I really wanted to. Um, but yeah, so, um, because I went to the diocese, they, they shut up about it, but, um, and there was a gift that was given of like $20,000 by one of their donors for, and they, it's not mentioned in, the, in this at all. Um, yeah, I'm just double checking because I don't want to just make stuff up, but I don't want to make stuff up like they do because, you know, that. I'm not that type of person, but, um, yeah, I don't see it. I, di I didn't remember seeing it there. So, um, so yeah, um, so that's the story. Um, and you know, they're, there's, they're speaking on one side of their mouth and then speaking on the other. I thought this, this particular doctor was, you know, a person I could trust and she did help me. I, I learned a lot from her. Um, I learned a lot about behavior management from her. Um, I never thought this woman would turn on me um, like she did. Um, I, I, I don't understand. And I, I get the impression from the conversation I had with the principal at the, at the school that I was working at that she was the one that gave me the bad, 
the bad uh, reference, which, you know, I, I ended up sending in the original reference I got from her in May of 2019. I said, hey, like, if, you know, I was never told who it was, but just just some things that came out in the conversation it sounded like it was her or either the secretary I mentioned previously who didn't really care for the sisters or people not of her skin color. So either both of them or one of them, I don't know. Um, I had to go to a friend of mine who was a priest and tell him the situations and he's known me for years. And I had to go to him and say, Hey, can you please help me? Can you write a recommendation letter to me and for me and, and send it to the school? Um, which he did, which, you know, um, thank God for him. He saved my butt. Um, you know, I've, I've always been blessed with just really good priests. Um, I, I've gone through some things just even within the last few weeks. And I, you know, they're really bad priests. Um, I, I know that. I'm very well aware of that. But um, I've, <laughs> God has just blessed me with some really good priests. And I don't know where I would be without them. Because um, I really just need good spiritual dollars in my life, you know, um, personally. So that's, that's the nightmare of the school I was working at. So yeah, was, um, you know, I, w- I was abused at, in the convent and I was abused at the school. I was treated like crap and the other sisters were treated like crap. And like I said before, one of the sisters talked about how we were just assess- an accessory. Like, you know, it just, it looked good for the school that they had sisters there um, for the time being that they, they were there. And I think eventually he just was kind of getting tired, you know, of, of the sisters. He just kind of lost interest in them. And so, you know, the sisters were kind of, they they were cut. Their, their jobs were cut as, as the longer we were there. Um, in fact, yeah, there was like one sister that was planning on coming back. And then she was told last minute that she wouldn't be coming back the one year. Um, I mean, the school itself was just a mess. It was absolutely a mess. Um, just a terrible school. Um, it wasn't even Catholic. The more I was there, the more they just watered down Catholicism. And I think that's part of the reason that this Monsignor didn't like me. He was very spirit of Vatican too, man. And, you know, I wasn't into clapping, you know, clapping and, and, you know, uh, stomping my feet at mass. I'm, I'm not that kind of girl. And I remember he would actually, during mass, he would, like, come by and, like, you know, like, look at me and, like, clap his hands, right? And be like, you know, you need to participate. I'm not, I'm not clapping my hands at mass. Like, it's just it's such a joke. I mean, the, the parish itself was just very, had very much of a 1970s vibe to it. It had, like, projector screens, um, which just looked really corny and they would play like these like videos before mass and have like advertisements for it was just so inappropriate um you know i was in dice youngstown which just a weird diocese to begin with um (laughs) i mean i even hear stories now things are going on the diocese in youngstown like man i i'm glad i'm out of there um so that's my story of whoa. Um, and, you know, um, 
like I said, it's not uncommon for teachers to have stories like this. Um, I, I've kind of learned um, in the last few years that, you know, there are people on like YouTube and TikTok and stuff that will, you know, talk about their, their stories of being, you know, an educator and then leaving because of just all the crap that they're going through. And um, I remember th there's one in particular, he's like a comedian, and he'll talk about like just this, th this type of stuff where it's just like you, you can't win for losing. Um, and, and so, yeah, the abuse definitely seeped into my, my professional life too, my career uh, um, as a religious sister as well. Um, and, and so it's just like nowhere did I turn, could I get a reprieve from just being treated like crap? Um, and it's just sad, really. Um, but I mean, I, I've, I've always loved education, even working under those conditions in that school with, with the kind of kids that they had, I, I, I still found an enjoyment for it. And it just, it's just sick that they, they tried to, you know, ruin my career, really. Um, they couldn't just keep their mouth shut. They couldn't move on. They had to try to ruin my career. Um, and that's just so pathetic, really pathetic. Um, and, you know, th those people have to live with, with what they did. I, I don't, I don't know why they did it. Um, even after a few years after my not even being there anymore, they, they had a stir the pot so um but you know anyone that's worked with me um could you know has said that I'm a good teacher I mean um and I know I'm a good teacher um but you know I, you know I, I'm not always one to go along with the politics and so that's when I get in trouble so um so yeah but I am who I am, and um, that's that's me. But um, so, thank you for listening to my story. It's been kind of a long one. I hope you enjoyed it or got something out of it. And um, as always, if if you ever have your own story, I'd really like to have guest speakers on here to tell their own stories. Um, so, if you ever want to do something like that to collaborate, um, I've done that before with another uh podcaster um i'd love to do that so just let me know um the more we get these stories out the more people know the more we can really make change um in the church and in the in these communities because they don't want us speaking out and they don't want us telling our stories they want us to shut up and, and move on and you know a lot of times we are uh, when we do speak out they threaten us and it just shows just how powerful we are to them, you know. So, um, yeah, thank you for listening. And um, for all those who are out, out there who are suffering from being a religious life and being abused, know that you're in my prayers. You're very dear to my heart. And if you ever need anything, reach out to me and I'll, I'll try to do what I can. So um, God bless you. And until next time.